You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Good morning. Guys, it's good to be here. It's been three weeks since I was in this room with you guys because we had the Backyard Bash two weeks ago and then we were away camping last week. Um, And I walked in this morning and I was just like, I love this place. I love my family, Life Tree family. So I just get encouraged being together. There's something about this space and all the years that we've worshipped in here together and encountered the Lord in different ways. Anybody else share that with me? You feel that here? I do. So good. Um, So this morning I want to be looking at um, something particular in the ways of Jesus. We have been spending some time over the last few months looking at what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus. And uh, last week, Jason preached on the Sabbath. Anybody catch Jason talking about the Sabbath last week? And, um, and that's really kind of the theme for right now that we want to run with. And there's something that I've been seeing as I look in the life of Jesus that I want to share with you guys. I'm in the middle of this summer of just reading through the Gospels over and over and over. That's my reading plan this summer is just hang out in the Gospels over and over and over again. It's really good. I, I like Jesus. Who likes Jesus here at Life Tree? Okay? And I like, I like getting to look into Jesus' life, not just like my imaginary Jesus, but actually read the pages and see what he said and what he did. Um, and I got one verse I want to read for you this morning. Uh, very brief scripture reading today. Um, So I didn't ask anybody to read it for us. Elijah, you can put it up there. It's Luke 5.16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's it. That's the scripture for today. Uh, We see this in Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but I find myself feeling like captured by this because this is one verse But there's verses like this all throughout the Gospels where Jesus would draw away to a deserted place, to a solitary place, and be alone and pray. And there's this pattern that we see in his life that oftentimes when you read these verses, they're right in the midst of great popularity and success and fame building around Jesus' life. And then he pulls away and he goes to be alone. In other words, he wasn't uh, more in love with the fame than he was with his father. Right? He was more interested, actually, in his relationship with the father than he was with the popularity and with the momentum and with his building popularity and the busyness of his ministry and his life. And so instead of leaning into the momentum, he would actually withdraw. And go and be alone. And I don't know about you, but there's something really captivating about that to me. I I really believe that the fruitfulness that we see in Jesus' life flowed from this relationship he had with the Father. That he would make time and space in his life to go and be alone. To go into silence and solitude. To slow down. You know? There's this pattern. And when I look at Jesus' life, I don't know about you, but I don't see a hurried person. I don't see a busy person. Focused and intentional, yes, but not hurried. Would you agree? Is that the Jesus that you see in the scriptures? It's interesting, we we talk about walking with Jesus, right? 
We don't talk about running with Jesus. We talk about walking with Jesus. And there is a certain pace and a pattern that's involved in walking with Jesus. And at times I find myself concerned about how busy we're taught to be in this world. Anybody, anybody know something about that? We're taught this, this culture, the world we live in, we, we, we live in busyness. We swim in it. It's like the air we breathe. We are probably the fastest, we are actually the fastest moving people that have ever lived in civilization, right? With modern technology of airplanes and Teslas and all this sort of stuff, right? And, and we have our uh, most convenience. I can click a button and whatever I'm looking for can show up at my doorstep the next day. We have connectivity like we've never had before. We're so accessible to people and others are accessible to us. And despite all of this advancement that should make our lives easier, it seems we get busier. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, I don't know what that is, but it seems to me like there is an all-out plan to keep us distracted, busy, and hurried. And that is not the pace of Jesus. Jesus often away, right? So many ways I feel like in this culture, I was reading something this week, and this guy basically said, we're taught slow is bad, fast is good. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? But isn't it interesting, the primary thing that Jesus calls us to love, the first description of it, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, is love is what? Patient. Love is patient. Love is not hurried. Love is not busy. Love is patient. So this primary thing that we're called to is first mentioned as patient. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Probably the worst behavior that ever comes out of my life is when I'm busy and hurried, right? We got to go. What do you do to your kids? How do you talk to your children when you're in a hurry to get out the door? Or your spouse. Or, or how many times have you said, you know, I just, I don't have time for that. Right? Or the other thing for me is the worst behavior comes out of me when I'm tired. But the fruit of the Spirit is what we're invited to have developed in our life. Right? Love, we already mentioned, and joy and peace are the ones that Jesus talked a lot about. And then Paul expands on that. But Jesus' call for this fruit to happen in our lives starts with an invitation. And the invitation is, abide. Not hurry up and get to it. Not here's the list, try harder. It's abide. That's how the fruit comes. And I'm just so aware that this, this fruit that he wants to develop in our lives of love and joy and peace, they're not very compatible with busy and hurry. That's not what they come out of. So I'm captured by this idea of Jesus often drawing away to be alone in silent solitude, to slow down. I feel like Jesus has been really teaching me this lately, and I constantly find myself being drawn back to it. I was even just this week, I was like cooking some eggs in the morning on the frying pan, and I'm sitting there scrambling, I'm doing my thing so fast, and I'm like, and I realize like, 
they're not going to cook any faster. And, and because, because it's just like there's this, this pace that I'm used to, and I'm go, get it, get it, you know, you got to get it done. And it's like I just felt like the Spirit just grabbed my attention and be like, slow down. And the eggs are going to be cooked in the same amount of time. It's not how fast you stir them, you know. And, uh, and, and it's just, it was just this moment for me where he caught me. I don't know if he ever does that to you. Where you just catch there's this hurry and this busyness inside of you. And I really believe that this is one of like the great enemies of our connection with the Lord. I'll talk about that in a bit, but I just want to say this before we can go into that, is that rest is actually written into the universe. It's actually a part of the world that we live in. It's so important. And we can kind of get into the idea that if I just push harder and go harder, then I'll finally get there and I'll produce more. And, and actually, fruitfulness flows from rest. There's something of that that we can see in the world. There is a law that actually governs the world that we live in. Sometimes I think we, we forget about that. You know, you do you, whatever, right? That kind of stuff. But actually, there's a way things work. In the created world, we know, right, like, that there's all these fine details that if the world is placed the slightest bit, life wouldn't happen. In the same way, there is, there is a law that governs the way that life works best. Rest is a part of that way. And it seems to be this pervasive message in the scriptures. I'll touch on just a few right now that have been sticking out to me, but right in the very beginning, in Genesis 2, after God has created the heavens and the earth, right? He's finished his work. What does it say God does? And he rested. It said he actually set apart the seventh day. He made it holy. He made it sacred. He sanctified it is what some translations say, but essentially he set it apart. And I don't, I don't have, like, the full revelation on this. I've got this, this thing happening to me when I read that scripture that I know there's something more there, and I don't, I don't have it yet, but there is something profound about the fact that the everlasting, eternal God who never actually grows tired, never faints, never grows weary, rests. The ver- the very, at the very, like, inception, origin of the world, there's a God who rests. He works too, but he rests. Then I'm reminded in the Ten Commandments, there is this command. And, and I find it interesting. You already probably know which one I'm talking about because Jason talked all about it last week, and it's pretty obvious probably in this one. But, but when I think about the Ten Commandments, it seems to me that in our day and in, and in church culture, there's just this one we kind of disregard. We don't think it's all that important. Anybody know which one I'm talking about? The Sabbath, right? Like, if I got up here and said to you, thou shall not murder, ah, yeah, we don't need to worry about that one anymore, you know? You guys would be like, what? Thou shalt not steal. Don't worry about it. You guys would be looking at me like, what, right? Like, the, the command to be faithful to our spouse, like all these things we, we consider, we hold them in high regard, we think they're important. Have no other gods before you, don't create these... Uh, idols, don't covet, right? You know the deal, right? But there's this one, the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. And it actually says, sanctify it, set it apart. Do your work six days, but rest on one. 
And if you read this in, in Deuteronomy 5, when Moses is retelling the Ten Commandments, to them, he reminds them after telling them about the Sabbath, he says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Like, you've done that already. You've been enslaved to that toil, to that hard work, to that constant push, that constant go. And I am making you this special people. And I'm giving you this day of rest. And I, I'm not there yet. Just as I share this with you guys this morning, like, I'm not claiming to have this down. I'm in process. I'm learning. But there's something stirring in me where I'm, like, feeling convicted. Man, there's something here about actually having a set day where you do no work. It even goes as far, if you read in Leviticus, and it's also in Exodus, they're given this command to every seven years, let the land that they grow food from rest. Like it's actually in the earth itself. that The soil needs it. And so he says, for six years you plant, you grow, you harvest, but every seventh year, let the land rest. Let it grow fallow, right? Which is where it grows hard. And some of you agricultural people here, you probably know about this. But I found myself reading this this week, going on. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time on agricultural websites, but this week I was, I was reading from them. And it's actually like a thing that when you let your ground go fallow for a year, there are nutrients deeper in the soil that begin to come up to the surface and make that more fruitful soil in the following year. And, and modern development of chemicals and fertilizer and all this sort of stuff have caused people to go, oh, we don't need to do that. We have all these tricks of the trade and ways to do it. But there is actually written into the earth itself this need for the land itself to rest. And God's people were given this command, you guys, one day a week, you rest. You do no work. One year out of every seven, you let this land rest. And there is this hallmark of God's people that's supposed to mark his people of peace and rest. It's like one of the things that when the nations would look at the people of God that was supposed to mark them was this people of peace and of rest. The, the holy city, Jerusalem, do you know what Jerusalem means? City of peace. That was the name of like the, the capital city of the people of God. City of peace. There's this prevalent theme all throughout Scripture. You guys know what happens when you don't sleep enough, right? What happens if you don't sleep enough? You get tired. You're, you get sick. There's actually like sickness, chronic illness that can come from sleep deprivation. It, it's massive. It's written into the fabric of who you are as a human being that you need to rest. And yet there's this... this thing that says, go, 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 go. And God wants that for us. He wants that for his people. Us to be a people of peace, a people of rest. So if God wants us to have peace and rest, who wants you to have busyness and hurry? The enemy of your soul wants you to have busyness and hurry. He wants us distracted and busy. I am convinced that distraction and busyness are probably the greatest enemies, or some of them, 
to our relationship with God. Like in the, in the rise of smartphones and social media and all that sort of stuff that grabs our attention, I began noticing in my life as it, as it took more and more place and more and more my mental bandwidth and time that it was like, I, I feel like different as a person. I feel like a different human being than I used to be, Right? We happen to be the generation that's grown up with the rise of this coming into our lives. We remember life without it. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm really aware that billions and billions of dollars are being spent to get my attention. And there is something necessary to, to actually intentionally work against it. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know when you're, when you're bored, you're in line at the grocery store, what do you do? Just reach for it, right? And, uh, and it's just this thing, whether it's entertainment, our phones, social media, all these things, they want our attention. And I found the Lord calling me into some practices, and maybe you've heard me say this before, but I, I want to just throw out some practical things to you guys, because unless we actually practice... You know, thing, something different, things stay the same. So I developed a, a rule. Maybe we don't like rules. I like rules. They help me. I go at least an hour after waking. Like, I have to be awake for at least an hour before I can go to my phone. Right? Uh, not going to the messages. And, and, and I try to push that further. Like, I'll tell you this. I, I'm, again, I'm practicing, Okay? But what I find is that the more I embrace this, the longer I want to push it. Like, I want to go, I'll just leave it a little longer. It feels so good. You know, like it feels good to not be looking at it and not be attached to it. And, and I try to, you guys know this probably if you've been here around, I try to sit with the scriptures open. Right? I want that to be what informs me, what, what sets the pace for my day. And what I want to say to you guys in this thing about Jesus drawing away often and telling you about this practice in my own life is encourage you to consider what might a rule be for you. Not to be legalistic, not to, not to burden you with you must do this, but to actually how am I going to be a person of peace and rest? How am I going to start my day grounded in the Lord? And another one that I've been really challenged in lately is sitting in silence. Like actually, like not reading, not writing, not bringing my prayer list to the Lord, but literally just sit silent. It's work to get that thing started. But it starts, you, you, you get an appetite for it. Talk more about that maybe in a bit, but I... I, I was reading even this this week that there's actually science that shows our need for silence. And we often fill our lives with noise. We put the, the AirPod in and we get the music going. We get in the vehicle. We turn the radio or the music on, the podcast. All, and these aren't bad things. Music podcasts are not bad things, right? Or the noise of being connected to our messages or whatever, all that stuff. And yet when we sit in silence... There's, there's data that shows that there's an increased mental clarity, increased creativity, lower blood pressure. It's actually good for your cardio, cardiovascular system. It's good for your heart to sit in silence. We need it. 
Do you have enough silence in your life? I was, I was listening to, um, someone keeps telling me about this book. I've not read it yet, but, um, but it speaks directly to what I'm talking about here. And it's by, by John Mark Comer. Oh, there we go, there we go. And the title is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And, uh, and, and I started listening to a podcast of his. See it? Podcasts are okay, all right. Uh, and he talked about this story of Martin Luther King Jr. And it really caught me. And I'm going to share it with you. But Martin Luther King Jr., the year is 1956. It's early on in the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. is 27 at this time. And they're doing the, you know, the, the story with Rosa Parks not taking the back seat in the bus. It had just been weeks before this, I believe. And, um, and he's getting death threats. He's getting phone calls that like, listen, man, if you don't, they didn't say man. They actually said another word that you could probably guess they use in the South to refer to people like Martin Luther King Jr. And, uh, and they said, you know, if you don't get this mess out of our town, we're going to blow up your house. We're going to kill your family. And he talks about this. this so this is, this is where he's like at this point where he wants to give up. And I'm just going to read. This is from a book that he wrote. It's called Stride Toward Freedom. These are his words. I was ready to give up. With my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed aloud. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking, for me for leader, looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. And he went on for the remaining years of his life. He lived 12 more years after that, and he often referenced this moment. And he talked about it being the moment that, that was the turning point for him where the resolve to hold the course in the fight for justice, in the work that he had felt called to, that's where the, it was solidified. And in this podcast, I was listening to John Mark Comer, he said, what if Martin Luther King Jr. had an iPhone? Would that moment have happened? How often in that moment we just reach, right? And we want distraction. We want whatever to fill our mind. But because there was this moment of silence late at night at the table, he was open to the voice of God. It's a provoking question. It stuck with me and I wanted to share it with you. The other thing is, I find like just too busy, going too fast, too much on the calendar, too much in the schedule. I've actually started to 
schedule time for nothing. And it doesn't mean that you have to schedule hours. Give yourself five minutes. Give it a try. Put five minutes in your day to just do nothing. I know the COVID-19 pandemic has been controversial in some circles, but how many do you remember that in the spring of 2020, when all the public health orders hit and we were all freaking out thinking everybody's going to die and all this sort of stuff, there was this silver lining in it all. Anybody remember that? The schedule went dead. All these things we had planned to do. Oh, no, COVID, COVID, COVID. You know, and there was just this, this, this pause in life. And I remember just being like, this is awesome. Why, why are we so busy? Anybody remember that? Relate with that? My mom says the traffic was great. Like we were forced to slow down, right? There's nothing to do but hide in our houses. <laughs> but there, there was just this like this slowdown that happened, and it was like, oh, this is great. Now I don't know how many of you can relate with this, but for me, I'm a like get stuff done kind of person. Like I, I want to be productive. I want to accomplish stuff. And um, I've had to learn something. I feel guilty when I stop to do nothing. Like there is something that comes up in me that says you should be accomplishing something. You should be mowing the lawn. You should be cleaning this. You should be writing a sermon. You should be calling this person. You should be whatever, right? Like there's just this, you should be doing this, that, or the other thing that rings inside and there's guilt and I've, I've been having to learn to, like, not let that, that control me. Anybody relate to this? In a world that's beckoning you to busyness, slowing down, silence, and solitude are countercultural. They're like warfare. They're like weapons. We were praying about this this morning in, uh, in prayer before the service. It's like a weapon to just slow down and relax. Like the devil wants you enslaved in Egypt. But Christ came to set you free. And the writer of Hebrews says this thing. Again, we prayed this this morning. He says, strive to enter the rest. Is that not weird language or what? But there is an intentionality required to enter the rest that God has for us. Like, you actually have to plan for it. You actually have to lean into it. You have to, in some ways, work toward it. Because, again, there are billions of dollars being spent to grab your attention, to keep you busy. And there are these practices we can do, but I tell you what, the best bedrock foundation for guilt-free rest is the gospel, is the good news of Jesus. You guys, I, I like to say this often. You've probably heard me say it before if you've been here for a little while, but God didn't just give us principles to follow. He gave us a person to follow. His name is Jesus. And when you look at the, the Jesus of the Bible 
and what he accomplished on the cross. There is this amazing moment in John 19 where Jesus cries out from the cross and he says, it is finished. Reminds me of Genesis 2. Creation's finished and God does what? He rests. There's a rest that is made available to us in those words from Jesus, it is finished. Because, you see, we are a people who we are constantly trying to prove ourselves. I believe that our busyness and our distraction is rooted in insecurity more than anything else. We need to feel important. We need to feel valuable through our accomplishments. Or we're afraid to not be distracted because, I don't know about you, but what I have found is that when I actually sit in silence... There's this, like, I I compare it to a detox that happens. When I sit in silence, usually the first things to come to the surface are all the negative thoughts and emotions that I've been shoving down and trying to ignore. Give me something to watch. Give me something to read. Give me, you know. And And when I sit before the Lord and just let the silence come, that internal swirl that's been eating away and under the surface and ignored begins to become glaringly obvious and come to the surface. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because when that stuff comes to the surface and you've got the gospel in hand and in mind, and that's where reading scripture is such a big deal, you can sit with it and and go, yeah, you know what? I did blow it there. did make a mistake. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm made whole. I'm cleansed. I'm clean. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Like all these truths just can come. Our acceptance and our worth is not based on our performance. It's based on his, right? That's the gospel. And so there's this deep, deep, deep rest in the very core of your soul that comes from understanding those words of Jesus when he said, it is finished. It is finished. So my hope for you guys and why I want to share this, especially in summertime, is I know that at this time of year, Especially July. I don't know about you, but it seems July is like the rest month compared to any other summer. I think it's because it's smack in the middle. You know, August, you start worrying about September already and all that sort of stuff. But in July, it's rest time. And, uh, and, and my hope for you guys is that in maybe nudging a little bit towards some new practices like sitting in silence or letting your phone sit for a little longer before you touch it in the morning or whatever else I've mentioned, then maybe you feel like you've got some bandwidth or space in this moment of your year to try it out. And my hope is that you get hooked. That you get hooked on withdrawing often into a deserted, solitary place to meet with God, to hear what he has to say to you. I told you guys this a couple weeks ago. But like I've been finding as I do this again and again, he just says, I love you. It's kind of what he wants to talk about. <laughs> it's just simple, and it's like, oh, man, I need to hear that. The God of the universe who rules and reigns over it all loves me. That's a good deal. I'm going to sit in that for a while.
So my encouragement to you would be actually like develop a plan for how you're going to manage this and this and all the other, you know, stuff we have. Get washed in the word daily. Here's a good one. Just breathe. Like, honestly, if you ever find that just busyness and stirring and constant motion going on inside of you, just try this. Like there's something about being human that I actually think, we'll talk about that maybe in weeks to come, but just like embracing the fact that we have these bodies and they need oxygen and they need sleep and all this sort of stuff. But the big one I want to encourage you guys towards today is this practice silence. Like, actually, just do it. Do nothing. Uh, not, not read, not bring your list, not anything. Just sit. And, like, if you find in that moment your mind just races all over the place, that's okay. It's practice. It's a practice, right? Intentionally not saying spiritual disciplines. I'm saying practice. Because the best part about it is when you're practicing, you're just practicing. It's not about perfection, Okay? And so when your mind starts to race all over the place, that's just an opportunity to come back to Jesus. Just to, to bring my heart back before him and just sit. And he may speak something to you and he may not. Or maybe you're like me and all sorts of negative emotion and bad thought patterns start coming to the surface and, and you're having to face it and you're having to just bring it to him. So I'm going to be so bold as in this moment, we're going to take two minutes of silence in closing. And I guarantee you that for some, it's going to be really uncomfortable. And, and that's good for us to note that. Why are we so uncomfortable with it? Right? And my hope is that we, we, we learn from it. So we're not going to do 10 minutes. We're not going to do 20. Or, we're going to do two minutes, Okay. And I, I want to encourage you, I know it's, it's different than being like out in the forest all by yourself like we read of Jesus doing. You're in a room full of people. So I'd encourage you, if it helps you, close your eyes, okay? But I'm literally, I got a timer going right here, and I'm just going to be quiet. And in two minutes, I'll come back in here. Let's go for it. Silence. That's our signal, I guess. That was two minutes. How was that? Good, great. I see some, like, stretching happening in the room. I know, you can hear the birds. Isn't that nice? Like there, there, there's something profound about just letting the world we live in, and we happen to not live in like downtown New York here in Victoria, you know, uh, and so we have a pretty special opportunity, and uh, God bless those people in downtown New York. But, uh, but anyways, it's like there, there's something about it, right? That's just it's good for the soul. And and maybe like some may hear this today and be like, man, this is like really hippie sort of message today, whatever. But like. 
there, there, there's an aspect to Jesus. He's a bit of a hippie, okay? But he was also like super focused, super fruitful, super intentional. Like you see him on this mission, knowing where he's going, knowing what he's doing. But I believe he's very intentional about this, what we're talking about as well. And, and my reason for wanting to bring this today is that I am convinced that if we are to be the people that God's called us to be here in the city, here in this earth, we have to learn to be a people of rest, of stillness. Like there, there's, yeah, that's a whole other message, but <laughs> all right. So, Father, we thank you for the finished work that you have done. And that we're just invited to rest in it. We're invited to, to work towards resting in it. We thank you for your grace and your goodness that will lead us, that will guide us. We thank you for the freedom to practice and not fall under the burden of perfection. Your grace that covers us, it's so good to lead us in the way of life. But I bless. Uh, this family we call Life Tree, to go in peace, to go in rest, and to bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.